Hello and welcome to Thought Rambler. My name is Jonathan Dick, and today's thoughts are going to ramble all about what I call Zen diagrams. Zen diagrams for me are just Venn diagrams. If you know, you know, Venn diagrams are just three circles overlapping each other. And sometimes when I hear a story in the news or, you know, like, you know, I'm talking to somebody and then these things come up and especially when it's around something that's like senseless, something that doesn't make sense to me, I tend to compartmentalize the idea. I, I, I try to make sense out of the idea and I'll car- compartmentalize, you know, the different factors that I sort of think or I hear that are going into it. And sometimes um, I'll take it a step further. And, and if I just can't get it off my mind, I'll sit down and I'll just start actually drawing these Venn diagrams. And that's how I try to at least just get these thoughts out a little more clear to myself. So today, you know, there's been a couple, uh, you know, one Zen diagram led to another Zen diagram, and they were kind of going around in my mind. And and so I wanted to sit here and Zen out. You know, sometimes the Zen, the reason it's a Zen diagram and not a Venn diagram in this case is because the idea is that for by me sitting there and taking a half an hour or an hour to draw these things out and write in them and, and all of that, it kind of clears up my thoughts and it does become like a Zen exercise. Try it yourself at home. The ones that, um, what really got me going was uh, on this was, was uh, I heard these stories a couple weeks ago where there were these senseless shootings all about, um, it, was, it was all very accidental. And, and then I was watching something on Bill Maher and he said the same thing. He's, you know, we have school shootings, we have mass shootings, and now we have to add to the list these accidental shootings. And by accidental shootings, what I mean is, it's kind of like um, to me the the it's the it's the George Zimmerman Trayvon Martin kind of thing all over again, right? It's someone who is amped up, <laughs> you know, quote unquote on duty, right? Um, either uh, in this, you know, if you remember with the George Zimmerman case, which I think was one of those really big, you know, zeitgeist kind of cases. Uh, you know, Trayvon Martin was a, I think a 13, 14 year old black kid who was, um, in a sort of community in Florida visiting someone, his aunt or someone like that. And he left the house, went walking to a convenience store and came back and I believe was on the way back. George Zimmerman, um, who, I don't know if he was on a neighborhood watch or he fancied himself like a neighborhood watch person, saw a young black kid with a hoodie and engaged with him in a way that became violent. And he shot and killed Trayvon Martin for no reason, for, for zero reasons, right? A, Trayvon Martin had every right to be there. You know, it was a gated community, but he was a guest. You know, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, you know, uh, the news was all talking about racism. The news was talking about this idea of, you know, um, people, too many guns, obviously. And then, uh, you know, this, this idea of, you know, he was a cop wannabe, a military wannabe kind of a person, right? He was, he couldn't, um, I believe, if I remember these facts right, uh, you know, he was overweight, um, maybe not mentally there, but he didn't make, he couldn't become a a cop, right? He didn't make it through training um, or the application or something like that. And so, but he fancied himself sort of this, like this idea, you know, it's this cowboy syndrome, right? Um, Americans are fascinated with cowboys. So, you know, when I say heroes and I say cowboys, it's almost interchangeable um, because this idea of sheriff or cowboy or, or someone in the Wild West who's trying to keep order, keep peace. And in order to do that, they have to have an equalizer, right? They have to have their um, gun. <laughs> they have to have a gun. And so when they see an Indian, right, because everyone learns cowboys in comparison to Indians, so cowboys and Indians, right? Basically, what it comes down to is white person, whoever identifies as white versus uh, those who identify um, as color. And Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman was very much like that, right? That was, um, again, it was a very zeitgeist moment. I just remember the nation uh, was sort of on edge at that time. Um, And George Zimmerman, you know, he used the stand your ground uh, law in Florida, which has now become more prolific in different states. And 
one could say, well, that was the watershed moment. And so when we have these senseless accidental killings, such as, you know, um, or, or shootings, right? They're not all fatal, but still, you know, someone going onto someone else's lawn to get a ball or a frisbee or something, and then met with gunfire, you know. Or um, in one case, it was a um, a teen, a black teen, walking up to a door to pick up his sister, and it happened to be the wrong house, and the guy f- fired on him. I think that one might have been fatal. I hear these things and I see these things and they affect me. You know, I, I, you know, I have the 18 grandkids and, you know, I'm a family man, like a lot of other Americans, you know, um, I am also a gun owner, like many Americans, but there's obviously a disconnect between, you know, caring about your house, caring about your family, caring about yourself. And also, you know, having the audacity to then carry a firearm around with you or have one in such close proximity to you at almost any moment that before you're able to, you know, you're, you're shooting first and you're asking questions later. Again, that's cowboy mentality. I don't know if it's good or bad to be a cowboy, but it certainly doesn't seem like it, it doesn't certainly seem like it's helping to have more cowboys in the world. So when I was sitting down, so I was, I was hearing about this, you know, these accidental killings. And the first thing that the guests on the show of Bill Maher said was alienation. They started talking about mental illness. And I had to turn the show off at that point and kind of walk away from it. My, my thoughts were already starting to ramble. Um, they were conflicting with what I was hearing. And, and sometimes if, you're, if your brain gets like that, where you're, you're watching something and then you start riffing off of it, my advice is always just to turn off what you're watching. Let your, let your mind riff. Don't let the, at that point, you are, there was a catalyst, right? The, in this case, you know, this topic specifically, this wasn't the first thing that, um, you know, the show was already like 20 minutes in or something. It just happened, this issue sort of, again, I had already heard about something like this. I didn't hear about it in, uh, I didn't hear that there were like, you know, three or four or five of these within a week. But that was what uh, Bill Maher was trying to say, maybe a week or two. Like it was a recent occurrence of a bunch of these things happening or making the news, right? Again, you have to remember there's 350 to 400 million people in America and there's only like four or five incidents like this. So it's not representative of the whole but it is a canary in the coal mine. It is a warning that there is, in my opinion, a lack of accountability. And I wasn't hearing that from the show. I was hearing all this talk about mental illness and how people feel alienated right now. And I, and I believe that that's true. And, and I later went back to that episode and watched the rest of it. But at that time, again, I, I just, I know me. And I know that like, at some point I'm like, okay, I need to disconnect from, from this source of influence so that I may start to think for myself a little bit. So again, I encourage you guys, uh, you ramblers of thoughts to do the same thing, right? It's not enough just to go on a walk and let your mind ramble, um, you know, to ambulate your thoughts, if you will. And it's also, you know, you, you know, sometimes it's a podcast like mine, right? Um, maybe I'm saying something and it gets your thoughts uh, rambling. You, you feel free to turn me off. <laughs> you know, if your thoughts, if you feel like your thoughts are more important than what I'm saying, then feel free to turn me off and come back. Um, and then you can compare. But I don't want to over-influence anyone either. I want people to think for themselves. And what helps me are these Zen diagrams. So I started thinking about this idea of guns and uh, growing up in America, you know, school shootings and mass shootings began from in my world somewhere in the mid nineties. That's when the, at least it was reported a lot more. Um, My memories go back to Kip Kinkle in, I think it was Springfield, Oregon. I think that was the first real school shooting that I had heard about. Um, And I was in Oregon, so it, it, you know, it made the news. And then a few years after that, then we had Columbine and that really captured the imagination of the, um, not just America, but of the world and the topic of too many guns and mental illness and what I think is the sort of the third bucket the third circle in the, in the Zen diagram, the third group, which is the media. 
And how does the media is, you know, the question really is, is who's culpable? Who's responsible? Now, you know, uh, the people who are, there's going to be, again, you got your three groups, your three circles. The way I look at it is, you know, circle number one, this is in no particular order, but just like, you know, circle number one is too many guns. Circle number two is what I call, you know, the greedy media. I think, you know, it doesn't matter if you are, uh, you know, left-leaning, right-leaning, middle-leaning, if you're commercial media, like if you're, if you're, if you're owned by a conglomerate corporation and the bottom line is to make money, then there is going to be a major slant on, on the stories that you present, right? Um, so, so what I say with the greedy media is the media that, you know, it's, it's, it's the, ble- it, uh, if it bleeds, it leads kind of media, Right. I'm kind of holding, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think PBS news hour <laughs> is responsible for the proliferation of, uh, guns in America and, and, um, the lack of accountability, right? Um, maybe someone can argue that, but the way I look at it, I'm just not seeing it that way, right? There are forces uh, in the media that are 100% trying to get their viewers to do nothing else but to keep them watching them, right? It's parasitic. And we'll get into all of that. And I'm in the media, right? Not just this silly podcast, but like my whole world, my whole life has been around uh, the creation of stories and entertainment and performance, so, you know, the, then, then you have the third group, which is simply mental illness. And I think, you know, it, everyone is somewhere in one of these three groups, if not in a few of them, right? And somewhere in there, there are people that are in the middle of this. The, the, you know, the whole point of a Venn or Zen diagram is that it's three circles that are um, overlapping. And so you basically have three groups and there's places where they only overlap with their neighbor, you know? So it's the two groups overlapping, but there is this middle part, sort of the butthole of the, of the Zen diagram. And that's where all three groups meet. So when I think of, you know, too many guns in America, too many guns in the world, but, you know, specifically, let's talk about America. There's too many guns in America. So that first circle to me, right now, I can say that, okay, well, I fit into that, into that group as a gun owner. Now, I wasn't always a gun owner. I've only recently become a gun owner, and that's just because of more or less inheritance. I was given a gun. I didn't go out and seek one per se, um, but I was given one, and I was at least given some sort of training on it. And that's it. You know, it wasn't, it's not difficult. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there is a choice that I can make at this point of saying, do I want to keep this or do I want to give it away? Do I want to be in the group of too many guns? Because having a gun, um, let alone many guns, that would necessitate an entire rack. You know, I, I, there's a part of me that says, is, is, is it one, is one enough and two is too many? I, I don't know. Like, you know, there is a part of me that says I wasn't a gun owner before. It didn't seem to make any difference in my life whatsoever to become a gun owner because I am generally speaking a passive gun owner, I'm not going out of my way to hunt or to shoot or to carry the gun. If anything, it is for protection in case I need that. But again, I'm not actively protecting myself. You know, it's certainly not something that I want the 18 grandchildren to get a hold of. So it's something that remains you know, uh, somewhere they can't get it. <laughs> you know, it's, in my mind, it, it, there is a, a, some stress that I have because of gun ownership. 
because I don't want anything to go wrong. But, you know, also just having a gun does not, you know, being a passive gun owner, having a gun or many guns and putting them in a safe and locking that safe and not going into that supply of ammunition or weaponry or whatever it is that's in the safe unless there is a specific intent or a specific purpose. I don't really see anything wrong with that. I do believe it still lives within a group called Too Many Guns because it's just too many guns. But I, I, I don't, li- you know, the group alone doesn't bother me. Having a bunch of guns doesn't actually really bother me that much. It's having all those guns then mixing with something else. And so, you know, um, you know, so everyone talks about like, hey, can we get rid of guns? Can we get rid of guns? You know, what is it that we're doing because we have too many guns? How do we stop guns? Well, I, I just don't think we will because number one, it's a cash cow. There's just too much money in it, right? There's too much money and there's too much fear. You know, the Second Amendment um, is a protection. It is a privilege, not a right. But at the same time, it is now being used as a shield as well as a sword. You know, it's being used to stoke fear uh, in, in, in the minds of gun owners, right? They're going to come and take our gun and the Second Amendment is the shield. You know, no, we are protected because of the Second Amendment. But really what's happening is that Second Amendment is also shielding the cash cow so that the guns and ammunition continue to be produced and sold. And lastly, there's, you know, uh, when I think about too many guns, I I just think about this idea of the Spider-Man line of with great power comes great responsibility. And anyone who, who has a gun must admit that the gun itself, it doesn't matter what gun it is, whether it's um, an old Civil War, you know, musket, ri- rifle, I think at that point, uh, American Revolution would have been a musket. You know, by World War II, we had machine guns. So, you know, whatever it is, you know, pick your gun, but that gun is power. Again, it's a leveler, it's an equalizer. Um, a child, you know, can hold a gun and point it at the lar- you know, at Andre the Giant, right? At the largest person you can think of, the, the David versus Goliath, right? David with his slingshot is in a way a gun, right? <laughs> the, the small pebble is a small missile, is a small bullet, right? They're all pretty much the same thing. The, the slingshot throws the pebble at such a high velocity that it can break skin, break bone. It can, in the case of Goliath, it can either kill or knock him out. Gun does the same thing. That's the leveler. It's not that David, so small, was tough enough to beat Goliath. It's that he had technology in his hand. He had the closest thing that they had at the time to a gun. He had a rock and a sling, something that created the velocity, the speed at which the rock travels through <laughs> travels through the air until it hits its target. A gun is different technology, but it's the same principle. You know, we learned a long time ago that the smaller the bullet or the smaller the rock or the smaller the pebble, you know, a small pebble thrown at a slow velocity does very little versus a big rock thrown at a slow velocity can do a lot because it's so damn heavy. But you can't throw a big rock really fast with human power or, you know, old technology. Not like today with, you know, like artillery, right? That's essentially what it is. But back in the day, a slingshot could take a small pebble and whip it as fast as possible, faster than any big rock could go. And it became essentially a lot more dangerous because you were taking down, I mean, the first thing you had a slingshot for was birds, right? Birds, squirrels, anything else that was coming in and trying to rip up your, uh, your, your agriculture, whatever you're growing. So you'd have small boys with these slingshots like David, and they'd get really good, and they could take birds out in the sky. 
again, what do we do now uh, <laughs> to prevent pests getting to agriculture? Well, a lot of people are like, that's why we need our, you know, um, semi-automatic weaponry is because we need to shoot gophers and prairie dogs and um, squirrels and rats and out of bats and whatever else that's coming down and, and eating our crops. Target practice. It's not that different. Slingshots and, and guns. It's the same principle. So we've had it forever, right? It's a leveler. A tiny person can beat a big person if the big person, you know, is, is relying just on their strength and the little person has technology, the little person can win. It's a leveler. I get why people want guns. It's power. But with power comes great responsibility. So what do we do with that responsibility? You know, would we as gun owners, responsible gun owners, there's, there's always these talk about like registering guns. I don't know what the, you know, of course it's state to state, but you know, when you, I assume when you buy a gun and you're going through the background checks and everything, there's a registration process that's happening much like there would be if you're buying a car and then registering it with the DMV. Or maybe that extra step because the DMV is a governmental agency. Is there a, I mean, do you, does the records, if I go to a store right now or a gun show and I buy um, a gun or a rifle, does my name then with the serial number of the gun go to the ATF or go to something like that in the state? I don't know. I don't think so. Is that so bad? As a responsible gun owner, I wouldn't, I mean... I mean, first of all, you would have to say, you know, if you're, if you're the government and you're going to come out and say, hey, we just want to register guns. We just want to make an accountability of all the guns that we have. In my mind, the first thing you do is you, you got to say, you know, first of all, amnesty. We're not trying to arrest anyone. We're not trying to take any guns away. We just want to know what's out there. So whether you have a gun that was given to you or, you know, as you found in the woods, who cares? You know, is there a serial number attached? Take a picture of it, verify it, and then... You know, however that gets cross-verified, every responsible gun owner who's doing this, who's registering their guns and saying, this is what I have, you know, I can take pictures of it, I can show it to you, whatever it is, right? Maybe there's an event that people go to, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever it is, right? I think there's a way to do this without stoking the flames of paranoia. Because you, all I got to do then as the government is just offer some sort of financial incentive. You know, um, if hunters are the most responsible gun owners that they're, you know, if because if, every hunter needs a gun, right? If they're going to go hunting, if that's their jam, right? If they're not bow hunters uh, or, or throwing star hunters, then they're gun hunters. And, you know, like maybe there's an incentive there to say, hey, just tell us what you have. Tell us what's out there so we can start a list of knowing how many guns we actually have, who has them. And we don't care about the why right now. We don't care about the how right now. We just care about the what, who, what, and where. And for that, maybe you get all your hunting permits waived, any fees or whatever, and, you know, your parking fees for the forests and all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that you would have to pay money to the government to go and legally do your hunting. Maybe that's the return. Maybe that's the incentive, something like that. You know, every year you, uh, or every couple of years that you verify that, you know, everything is still kosher, then, you know, that's a way to get, you know, the government can then just comp your fee for your hunting permit or something like that. Again, you know, maybe there's an incentive with taxes. Maybe there's an incentive with the DM, whatever it is. I don't think that's so far-fetched. People like me, you know, like I'm not going to go hunting, but like if there is an incentive with my taxes and all I got to do is say like, yes, I have this gun, this is the regist this is the serial number and, um, that's it. <laughs> you know, like I keep it here, you know, if someone needs to come by and verify that, totally fine. I'm an honest law-abiding gun owner, right? And maybe I get a little break on something. My taxes or maybe next time I take my car into the DQ or have to register my car and get tags, hey, maybe that fee is waived because I've done this thing for society, which is Lisa saying like, "Hey, I have this gun here." Does that help? I mean, it just starts, I think like incremental changes like that, it just, it, to me, that creates another level of 
accountability and everyone saying that like, hey, we're not angry with all the guns. We're just like, again, the silo of guns sits alone. And as long as it sits alone, it's, it's okay. It's when it starts to mix with the other groups that we start having problems. So for example, you know, mental illness, as a group alone, uh, you know, you could think of mental illness as, you know, very extreme, paranoid, schizophrenic kind of me mental illness, or you can, it could be a run of the mill, daily mental illness, right? Anger, depression, delusion, alienation. After COVID, many people have gone through such traumatic experiences within their personal life or, you know, um, their work life balance, all that. Like everyone has been affected by the recovery and uh, the duration and the process of, and the evolution of dealing with COVID. So of course there are people who are now stuck in their homes all day long watching. Well, I won't even get to the watching TV yet. Just think about the fact that there are people, again, let's take this out of the mix and let's just silo mental illness for a second. There's every reason to believe that every human being on this earth experiences mental illness in some sort of capacity. Trauma is trauma. doesn't matter if your trauma is spoiled, rotten, brat, teenage. Uh, I'm going to throw a fit because I don't get what I want trauma. Or it's battlefield I just saw my best friend explode trauma. You know, uh, trauma, it, it, the, as far as the mind and the, phys the physical scars, you know, the, the, the way your brain reacts, uh, scientists are now showing that through these fMRI machines that it really isn't any different. The, the, when the brain experiences shock and trauma, whether that's, again, like a car accident or a breakup, you know, you find out someone cheated on you and it breaks you down, you're, you're heartbroken. Well, you're also experiencing some sort of PTSD. And again, you know, it's silly to sort of compare like, oh, my broken heart with maybe uh, like battlefield scars, right? But to every individual who feels pain, they feel pain, right? It could be quite callous to look at it like, oh, well, your pain is not equal to mine in comparison because mine comes from this arena and yours is from that arena, right? I got major league pain and you have minor league pain or something like that. At the end of the day, I mean, we can do that. But at the end of the day, again, that just further alienates people to say that their trauma doesn't matter. It doesn't help to also celebrate trauma. It doesn't help also to like make everyone a victim. I'm not advocating for that either. Because victimhood is a part of mental illness. It's just a part of delusion. We're all victims, right? We all experience victimhood in some sort of way. Again, your victimhood might be major league victimhood and mine might be minor league victimhood. But I feel, you know, when I'm alone and I feel like a victim, I'm sure the heat is pretty much the same as when you're alone and you feel like a victim. We all have trauma and we all deal with it in a way that's very personal. It's why alcoholism and drug use, depression, anxiety, you know, these things didn't just start happening in the last few years. They've always been here. We've always had them. How we talk about them is different. I do think we're getting better at talking about mental illness. So, you know, again, as mental illness sits in a silo by itself, it's not dangerous. And, and you know, it's not a cash cow either. <laughs> you know, of these three groups, it's the one that doesn't have any money behind it. No one's pumping money into... Um, free therapy <laughs> for the poor or, um, right, no one is going out of their way to legislate a lot of money for mental illness versus legislate for money for guns. So, again, we're going to talk about, I'm going to try to hurry this up a little bit, but I just think of these things, again, siloed mental illness is not troublesome for America. We've always had it. We've always dealt with it. We just dealt with it differently. I think we are getting better dealing with mental illness in this country. As far as the silo of too many guns, I just, I mean, I think there's just too many guns. I think we're getting too many guns and I don't think we're actually helping. So I think that silo, <clears throat> in my opinion, is getting worse. 
It's not dangerous by itself, but it isn't getting any better. The fact that we are all, you know, again, it's a, with guns, the accountability is so much more important. With mental illness, the accountability is also very important, right? We also ha- we all have to be accountable for our trauma and how our trauma then creates trauma for others, right? You know, violence begets violence. So if you're, um, you know, if, if you're a victim of abuse, you have a propensity now to abuse others. So whether or not you do, but you can, you know it because you felt it. And what we get we often give. But we are getting better at recognizing and talking about and being more open about mental illness. But no money in mental illness. Lastly, we have the greedy media. Now, this is TV news, movies and TV shows, you know, like fictional movies and TV shows, and the video games. I'm just going to kind of like use those three. Again, I'm, I'm not talking about really NPR. I'm not talking about, um, I mean, if you want to throw podcasts and, you know, AM radio in there, sure, fine. But again, there's a difference between commercial media and non-commercial media. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm just going to try to separate those two. So I'm not throwing the NPRs under the bus right here. You know, even though their model can be used by someone else and actually be very reactionary and very dangerous and very propagandistic. um, I listen to NPR occasionally. I just don't get the sense that they are trying to push a very specific narrative. So good on them. I'm leaving them out. They're not part of the greedy media here. The greedy media is exactly who you think it is. It's the Fox News. It's the CNNs. It's the MSNBCs. You know, the greedy media is, you know, it's, it's, uh, Basically, what I'm really talking about with the greedy media is not just the entities of the media, but it's the media that knows that there's a problem and ignores any solution to it because it doesn't benefit their bottom line. They're too greedy to do the right thing. And that's where, like, you know, the poster boy for me, at least for this, would be Fox News. They're just... There's just too much money there to do the right thing. Currently, there is a Dominion voting booth scandal thing that just got resolved and they um, paid, I forget how much it was, but, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars basically to settle so they don't have to go to court and show the world exactly how greedy they are. You know, again, you have a news station, a news station saying that basically what they do is nonfiction. And then you have people believing that it's nonfiction, and yet every story there is fiction. You know, it's taking the idea that something happened. I mean, again, you just look at Sandy Hook, you know, a mass shooting where children are murdered. And what, you know, what's the news outlet? What's the, what's the news outlet? The nonfiction outlet that promotes the idea that that might not be real? Or that the victims are faking it? That's disturbing. And then, you know, you just have this. And again, I I understand that there was a time in the 80s and 90s when, you know, action movies were just, uh, you know, Rambo has kill counts of hundreds, right? And then we have this generation of shootings and violence in this country. And what's the most popular movie of the year. It's like John Wick 4. It's just another iteration of someone who just, you know, it doesn't even matter. The, the reason for the vengeance, the, the beauty of the original John Wick was that, you know, he was, the joke was he was upset because they, they killed his dog, right? The puppy or, or something, right? I mean, really, I think it was the wife and, and all that. But, uh, but the idea is, you know, the joke was it doesn't really matter what the thing is. Like, people don't really care what the vengeance is. They just want to see the violence. And so when you have, like, liberal Hollywood constantly promoting the story that if you want to win, right, if you want to be David and beat Goliath, then you need that AK-47, or, you know, you need, you, you need the superpower, if anything else, right? 
there, there's this disconnect in in the movies I see tonight where they're incredibly violent and there's like almost no blood. I hate that. If you're going to be violent, show the gore. Like that's the reason why violence is one of those things that would be an R-rated movie, not a PG-13 movie. And what happens now is that they just decided, well, it's the gore that makes it an R-rated, not the action. So as long as it's all, you know, as long as Superhero X is just um, killing, you know, hundreds of thousands of alien spider insect looking creatures that come out of a portal and, you know, like just some stupid, absurd thing like that. And, you know, one man is or one woman is able to then destroy, you know, hundreds of these uh, essentially pawns, right, to get to the king or queen um, the, the baddie, the number one baddie, and destroy them, right? They have to go through this gauntlet of always, it's like, you know, uh, things that destroy, that, that, that they can blow up and, and the blood is, a, you know, a different color or something like that, or it's, a goo, it's an ooze or it's gooey or something, right? It's not blood. It's not like it's cartoon gore. But what you're just showing people over and over and over and over again is this idea that the hero can go out there and destroy anything that they want and not be affected by it, whether that's emotionally or physically or mentally. And, and I think the most dangerous out of these three silos or three groups on their own is this idea of the greedy media because even more than the guns, again, you know, um, I halfway believe that that little thing, guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's true. A gun on its own isn't going to do anything. It's an inanimate object. It needs a person to load it and fire it. And I trust the hundreds of millions of people in this country and all over the world who have guns and leave them alone as inanimate objects. I trust those people who I don't trust are the people who have a gun and decide to keep them on themselves as if they're impervious to mental illness and they're impervious to the influence of the greedy media. And they're not. Everyone is influenced by the greedy media. Everyone is influenced by mental illness. So when you start mixing these silos, right, what do you get? You know, you get uh, when, when you when you start overlaying them, in my mind, like, you, you know, you think about um, too many guns, too many guns and the greedy media. And what happens when those two things come together? Well, again, the greedy media is trying to influence people into believing that they are special. Every plot of every show and every movie is you are the one. I'm going to use, um, recently there was a big hit called The Last of Us. It comes from a video game. Now it's like a hit TV show. So I'm going to kind of use that as an example. I thought it was a really good show. I thought it did a lot of great things. However, <laughs> it's it's also coming along. It, it's like it's part of, it's, it's one more car in a long train of violence, you know, this idea of uh, anti-hero and, and real messaging just um, bathed in violence and gore. And again, I on its own, great, but like when it's just one after the other after the other. And the other thing it's promoting too is this idea of specialness, right? Uh, I'm not trying not to spoil, I mean, but go watch the, the show. I mean, if you haven't already, um, it's a great show. And But at its core, it's about, you know, that message of this girl, she needs to be protected because she's special. She's the one. She's special. She's the one. She's the one. Out of everyone, she's the one, right? Now, it's also, it's a post-apocalyptic kind of show. So, again, it's all about last, the last of us, right? We're special. We've survived. And then you have this protector, the Joel character, who is um, trying not to be ultra-violent, but has the capacity to do so, and is only focused on what he wants, and he's very selfish. And at the end, he basically goes on a killing spree to, quote-unquote, take this girl back. Not to protect her. Not to save the world, but to take her because of his selfishness. And I believe this is also what happens in the video game. And so you have to go through this gauntlet of people to do so and, and just kill, 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 kill. I don't, again, it, it, yes, a grown, alone, a grown human being can watch this and not be influenced to do the same thing. 
But when you have that story over and over and over and over again with different titles and different actors in different settings, but that same idea of this person's, but you're special. You just need this kind of training. You need these guns. And then once you have the guns, then your specialness can really come through and you can pretty much kill whoever you want. You're the hero. Hero worship in the media is now overlapping with too many guns. And we have now this idea. So to me, when you have that Zen diagram, what you get with too many guns and greedy media is this idea of hero worship, meaning that like, you know, I am now going to portray the hero that I love so much. I'm going to portray them. And guess what? In the modern media, that's someone who has a gun. And that's someone who has a gun and is going to use the gun. So now you have people with guns subliminally believing that they're the hero, they're special. You know, that's the message that they get all the time is that the gun makes you special. The gun makes you the hero. And that's what's going into the minds of people, right? Now overlap too many guns with mental illness. Think about people who are angry, depressed, alienated. What happens when they have too many guns? Then you get what I call bad shootings or, you know, um, it's it, it, like the murder. That's the suicide, right? You have, uh, it, it's, not, it's a stereotype at this point. People come back from war. Chances are they have too many guns. And chances are they have too much mental illness. And now we have a suicide problem with our veterans. Where we didn't have that before, but we also didn't have all these guns. We still had people coming back from war depressed as all hell. But we didn't have so many guns, specifically handguns, right? You know, people still killed themselves when they came back from war, right? You, you, the PTSD is intense. And the, and the gun makes it simple. So, you know, to me, that's where those overlap. That's where you get people who, you know, just lose it. And they have a gun and maybe they take out someone else. But chances are they're probably going to take out themselves. I mean, it's all bad shootings, right? It's all bad mistakes. It's all bad shootings. But... So anyways, but let's move on to the mental illness going over greedy media. To me, this is a different kind of um, thing, you know, because again, now we're taking a gun out of it. So what happens when, so for someone like me who doesn't have a gun, let's say I'm experiencing deep PTSD, deep depression, deep anger towards myself. Well, if I don't have any guns, but I have the greedy media, what am I doing now? Well, I'm sitting in front of the TV for hours at a time just ingesting, 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 or video games. I'm, you know, again, like I'm the hero killing people now, or I'm watching the hero killing people now, or, you know what I mean? It's the greedy media that puts the uh, cowboy versus the Indian. So mental illness, greedy media, overlap, and what you have is escapism. You have people just trying to get away from their daily worries and they escape into the media. I am notorious for this. I do this all the time. You know, one of the greatest fears I had growing up was to have a gun because I didn't know what I would do with it because I was ex uh, experiencing so much um, pain, depression, anger. I was afraid to have a gun. I chose movies. I chose TV. I didn't, video games was uh, still a world away. But that's what I sunk into with my escapism. That's where I landed in this Zen diagram. When I look at this Zen diagram, that's where I see myself. I'm in that overlap. I'm in a world of escapism. I'm trying to get out of reality and I'm trying to go somewhere else. But now that I am a gun owner, now there's this you know, I feel like I've, I've matured enough out of sort of my teenage mental illness and now I have adult mental illness, but it's not, you know, I'm not at a point where that gun is a threat to me or anyone around me. And if I get to a point where 
my adult mental illness gets too much, I think it's really smart of me to then, you know, again, the, if we're all responsible gun owners, then, then maybe we, you know, are able to then say, hey, I'm experiencing a bunch of depression. I have a gun. There are programs throughout America where you can then just say to the police, hey, will you hold this for me? Again, amnesty. They're not going to take it away from you. They'll give it back. But just basically say like, hey, just I need this in a safe spot. I want it back later. I just need to get through a few things. and I don't want it around. What is wrong with that? That is a responsible way of being a gun owner. We don't have a lot of examples of that, though. Again, even me, I'm saying I hope I would be able to do something like that without the paranoia of thinking like, oh, well, where'd you get the gun? How'd you get the gun? Why do you have this gun? You know, now now you're arrested. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's what keeps people away from doing the responsible thing is there's, there's so much governmental uh, bureaucracy, fees, penalties, threats of, you know, your freedom, your possessions, your property being taken away. So, you know, there is a give and take on that side. I totally understand. It's not just as, that easy of saying like, oh, trust the government, right? You know, I understand why people do not trust the government. I wish we could get to a place where we could. And again, incremental steps, right? In any case, so you have those three circles and where they intersect, where the two circles intersect, again, you have hero worship, you have escapism, and you have um, sort of that, that murder-suicide style of shootings, right? Maybe even quote-unquote accidental shootings, right? Someone's in their garage playing with their gun and then all of a sudden it goes off but doesn't kill them. And, you know, was that attempted suicide? Well, because it didn't hit somewhere that was super vital, maybe, you know, everyone can kind of look the other way. But that's where that sort of falls into play. Now in the center in that what I call sort of the um, butthole of the Zen diagram, or maybe the asterisks of the Zen diagram. Um, that's where we have these senseless mass shootings, right? Because all of a sudden, now we have the media reinforcing this idea, this George Zimmerman idea that you can stand your ground. You have a bunch of people with so many guns and the belief that it's okay for them to carry guns all the time in their home specifically. And so then you have the idea, the threat and the fear that's also propagated in the media. Fear, fear, fear all the time on TV news. Local news is fear, 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 fear. Even the weather is fear. <laughs> the weather in local news is even a way of being like, it's going to be too hot. The weather's never awesome, right? The weather's always a problem because it's too cold or it's too hot. Fear. What are you going to do when it's too hot? What are you going to do when it's too cold? Fear right? The weather loves it when there's a tornado. Why? Fear. So, like, so you have that idea that, you know, any, you're special, you're spe more special than everyone. And to prove it, you, you just have to have a gun or a leveler, an equalizer. And then you have the mental illness part about it where you have that alienation, you have that anger, and you have that depression, and it all comes together. And that's where we get this idea where people are threatened by nothing. And again, the simple thing would be to say, just get rid of the guns, right? Because then you have those uh, same people who are experiencing mental illness, and they're still ingesting all that greedy media telling them that they're special and they can't die and they can kill others and it's going to be okay. That's essentially what they're saying. Every, every superhero story is essentially telling kids you can create as much damage and destruction as you want, but because we're seeing it through your point of view and you're justifying your actions, you're okay. And that's what we're feeding our children all the time. That's what we're feeding our adults all the time, whether it's coming through Marvel movies, right? Fox News, Dateline, NBC, whatever it is. If you're at local news, if you're watching TV and you're watching the media, you're watching HBO, you're watching Netflix, you're watching Hulu, whatever it is, just recognize how very few stories come through these days that don't involve 
guns that don't involve a hero that is able to get away with essentially a crime. That is the media today because that's what sells. That's what they think sells because that's all they feed us. We're in a feedback loop. But if you didn't have any guns and you just have some escapism going on, don't you? That delusion is escapism. You add the guns to that escapism and that hero worship. And that's when you start getting these senseless killings, these senseless I'm afraid for my life and I know I can get away with this. I mean, there's, you know, the mental illness also has to include some part of like bloodlust. There has to be a part of bloodlust. And again, where do you get the image of bloodlust? You get it from the media, the greedy media that wants to show you the bloodlust and how you're not affected by the bloodlust. How do you... <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it all goes together, in my opinion. And right there, again, in that center, you have those senseless shootings, mass shootings. I mean, I want to talk a little bit further about this. I know I'm getting to my uh, typical hour. I try to only make this show about an hour or so, or under an hour. Um, but I have two Zen diagrams that I kind of want to talk about. So maybe what I'll do is, since I sort of focused on um, this part of it, today, uh, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll do a part two and I'll talk about um, this idea and the idea. Because to me, you know, again, we're getting right into the center um, on my little uh, Zen diagram drawing, right? I have like a big Zen diagram, I have a small Zen diagram. And my small Zen diagram is this topic that we've just been talking about, about, you know, gun ownership and uh, these senseless mass shootings. And, you know, me just trying to make sense of it, at least like see these groups both separately and as they overlap a little bit at a time and then right in the middle. And again, we're at a place now where there's a lack of accountability, a lack of responsibility, and a lack of change and too much money. Too much money in the media, too much money in guns and gun sales and gun manufacturing, too much money in politics that links those two things and keeps those two things healthy and that cash cow... Um, you know, that the udder of those cows need to be full of milk, right? I didn't even talk about politics in any of this. Because in, in, in a weird way, politics, to me, isn't even part of this. I mean, I mean it, it is, but it's not one of those, it's not one of the big groups, right? Because politics, is, politics can change. We're in control of politics, right? Whereas the media is so big and the gun industry is so big that I, I don't feel as a as a human being, as an American, that I can really change any of those institutions. And the mental illness problem is so big that it feels like we, you know, all we could do in that um, silo is just to have more awareness at this point, right? You know, you have so much money in guns and so much money in media, but you have no money in mental illness. So also talk about that being a gross imbalance. But that to me is where we're getting this, you know, all these three things are responsible for, for, you know, it, the, I'll just keep it to these, like what I'd call these senseless murders or these senseless um, shootings of, again, you know, innocent people just missed walking up to the wrong house. Trayvon Martin wearing a hoodie in the dark, walking home in a gated community, meeting a stranger. And that stranger, again, hero worship mental illness, and a friggin' gun. Now, if he didn't have a gun on him, yeah, maybe George Zimmerman would have been like, hey, what are you doing here? Da, 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 da. But there's, you know, what else? At the most, if he prevented him to walk up the street, what do you got? You got, a, you got a, an adult man picking on a teenage boy? You know, like a pushing and shoving? I don't, he just let the kid go, right? Trayvon Martin would be alive today if George Zimmerman didn't have a gun, whether or not they met each other, as long as he didn't have that gun, he's not shot. It's as simple as that. It's, it's as simple as that. The gun is not responsible. It's George Zimmerman that is responsible. The stand the ground law is obviously flawed. People should not be able to have a 
blanket protection over killing others just because they're afraid and armed. Afraid is one thing. Self-defense, no one's arguing self-defense. But again, too many guns. A media that wants the story of gun violence, that wants to give you a story of how you are above, even though there's all this gun violence in the world, you're the survivor, you're the John Wick. I'm the John Dick. (laughs) I'm the John Dick, I'm the John Wick, right? Me and my little pea shooter can go out in a crowded area with all the baddies. You know, I can walk into the assassin's den and and I'm the one walking out with a few scratches. That's that's what they're selling you. Uh, And then they're selling you a gun and they're doing nothing about your mental illness. And then you wonder why one day you're walking around your house and you see someone in your backyard. And before you can even ask, what are you doing? You fire at them because you have a gun on you in your own house or it's right there next to you. Maybe there's, maybe every end table in your house has a drawer and in that drawer is a Glock or some sort of revolver or something. And so you see someone, you see a kid in your backyard, and before you can ask, hey, what are you doing? And the kid's like, oh, sorry, I'm just grabbing my Frisbee. I'm the, I live over, you know, we, we moved in a year ago. We met you once, whatever, right? It's an accident. But no, you hop my fence, you're a threat to me, bang, bang. And no accountability, right? The first, the first thing you're call, if you're calling the cops, you might be calling your lawyer right after that. Or now, like, you just call the NRA and you say, hey, I just shot someone on my property. Get me a lawyer. Stand your ground. And they'll do it because the NRA is part of this system that wants to make money off of guns. And if people are shooting people on their property without asking them, what are you doing here? And then you have a carte blanche lack of accountability then more people will buy guns because more people want that privilege of, I want to be able to shoot whoever I want and not get away with it because that's the hero. The hero does that in every movie, on every news report. And that hero is usually white and handsome. And the bad guy is usually black and threatening, right? Tattoos piercings, you know, doesn't look like the hero. And of course, if we have a bunch of old uh, people in their homes watching Fox News all the time with a gun on their waistband, thinking that they're all cowboys, they're 80-year-old cowboys, and then they see a, a person of color who's a young kid knocking on their door or something like that, bang, bang. As gross as it is, it, it, when I think about it this way, it just stops becoming surprising because it's so easy to see. You either have to, and again, what's the impossibility? Taking guns away, is, it, is that impossible? It's hard, but is, is it impossible? Okay, let's say it's impossible. So then what else do we do? There's nothing we could do with the media. It's been like three decades and the media still gives us the same Rambo's, it's only gotten worse, in my opinion. There used to be stories that did not involve guns. You could go to the movie and watch movies about piano players, <laughs> you know, that, that um, well, maybe sometimes they would involve guns, but, you know, like, uh, whatever, you just go see a movie about almost anything, or even if there were guns, they're not used all the time. It wasn't a way, it wasn't always a way out of a situation, You know, I remember uh, there were characters like MacGyver and Jackie Chan who would never want to, you know, use guns. I feel like that's really foreign. Uh, that would be like a, you know, you could pitch that <laughs> somewhere and it would be a, uh, a novel idea. Oh, a hero without a gun. Ooh, that's really no. So he has to think. He has to get out of situations using his brain and resources that are around him that aren't, you know, that aren't this, the, these weapons that we've come to know are like the, you know, that are necessary for a hero. 
So there's going to be a bigger, my bigger Zen diagram takes this up a notch. And I do want to talk about that. So I think I'm going to talk about that in the next episode. But for now, that's where my rambles go. I've been trying to make sense of the senseless. And um, I don't know if I did, but at least I have an outline. At least I have a thought to it. And um, try it yourself, you know. Uh, Come up with your own Zen diagrams. Put your your own words in there and see what you come up with. Like and subscribe and do all the good stuff. I'll talk to you later. Don't run in any walls while you're staring at your phone all day. Thank you.